Welcome to Intersections by Target 10. This is our third episode, and we're very excited for it to be the first episode that will be featured on iTunes officially. Um, so we hope that you will subscribe, rate, and comment the podcast. Um, we have a very interesting issue to talk through today and two great guests to discuss it. Um, we're going to discuss the issue and then sort of what the issue represents in the community from different perspectives. Um, but before I get into that, I will introduce our guests, which is uh, Matthew Rodriguez and Narissa Cohen, and I will let them give quick introductions by themselves. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Matthew Rodriguez, and I am a staff writer at Mike, uh, where I'm a millennial-focused news website, and I write for the Identities section. Hi, everyone. My name is Narissa Cohen. I'm an immigration attorney, and gender is my number one hobby after roller derby. Great, thank you guys. So the issue that we're gonna talk about today, um, many of you have probably seen, and it was the eruption of some discord around the production of a t-shirt um, by a company called Merrick and Richard. And they're a company that produces a wide variety of clothing aimed at, I think, primarily gay men, but of course anyone can purchase and wear them. And there's various shirts and whatnot that have sassy slogans, some of which are vulgar, some of which relate to identity. But this particular shirt um, caused a lot of furor, and it's because it said, no fats, no femmes, which, of course, is a phrase that is often seen in online profiles like Grindr and Tinder, um, and it's typically used seriously on those profiles to mean exactly what it says. Um, in the description of the product, it was, uh, quote, perfect to add a little irony to your wardrobe. And they described it also as the, quote, infamous phrase you've probably seen on your favorite hookup app. Um, the reaction from the community was pretty swift, um, mostly negative. Um, and the company responded by saying that the shirt was meant to be satirical, which a lot of people felt was essentially a backpedal. Um, it's hard to say what the original intent was, if there even really was any, but that was their, their reputation. And then shortly afterward, as the negativity continued, they released um, a longer letter that was titled Yes Fats, Yes Femmes, which kind of explained their position and basically told everyone to calm down and that it wasn't a big deal. And they also released, as part of that, a new edition of the shirt, which previously had been black with white lettering, and that was the only color option. And the new option was pink with sort of fuchsia sparkly lettering. And the other addition they put on the website was the original model for the shirt was a kind of rowish looking guy um, with a, a wagging finger to sort of go along with the message of the shirt. And the new models were a wider variety of individuals, many of whom were more femme, including a drag queen, some were heavier essentially trying to say, we're cool, anyone can wear this, we didn't really mean it. Um, and the other thing to add is that they were going to be donating some of the proceeds of the shirt to an unspecified charity. Um, that said, it still caused a lot of issues and people didn't think that it was really enough. And I think the controversy continues, um, although the shirt also continues to sell out. So clearly there's um, still a lot of interest in it. So maybe um, what I'd like to do is Sort of we can discuss the specific issue, but I'd also just like to talk a little bit more about what it represents, because um, I think there has been a lot of discussion of this issue already. 
Um, so I have a couple of questions about that, but I'm curious to know, sort of, Matthew, you've written about it, which is how I, I found you as a guest, um, and then Arisha, I, I've told you about it. Curious to know just sort of what your maybe initial reactions were upon seeing the shirt, how you felt about it, um, and then we can maybe get into some larger kind of themes around it. Well, I found the shirt on Twitter, um, and <clears throat> it was just someone who had seen the shirt and kind of posted it, and that's where the news story started. A lot of news, a lot of news organizations find their stories on Twitter. And um, my first reaction was that, obviously, you know, as a gay man who, who uses hookup apps and who is out in the community, I have seen the phrase before, and I've seen it several times, and I am... You know, so I had two caps on. I kind of had my personal cap on where it was, I am a gay man who is neither skinny nor super masculine. And so on a personal level, um, it was kind of like, okay, so there's someone who is kind of profiting off of this uh, phrase that has actually caused people pain. But then from a journalistic phrase, I was just really interested in, you know, people taking a phrase that they know is controversial and putting it on a shirt and, you know, uh, and not really trying to subvert anything, like not trying to play with the phrase at all, not trying to subvert it. Um, So the reason I wrote the article and the reason that I, you know, brought attention to it, you know, I know that the byproduct of that was actually that it sold more, you know, it got really popular, people loved it and it sold more. But really, when I wrote it, I was trying to say that, like, this shirt, you know, represents an attitude that, that that is now being validated because it's on a shirt. And it's an attitude that we know from research. So I'm a journalist, and I read a lot of research about the gay community because it's what I write about. And that we know from research kind of has really negative consequences. Like, gay men who are – there are studies that show that gay men who are – less masculine or who don't fit into like masculine stereotypes or who just don't fit into the masculine mold, they actually have more anxiety and depression because of not being able to, because the gay community, there are also studies that show the gay community is more obsessed with masculinity than the heterosexual community. Um, so when they have trouble fitting into what they're being told to be, it actually causes us anxiety and depression. And um, LGBT people have sky high rates of anxiety and depression. So, um, you know, I'm just, I, I was really, uh, and, I, and, I, and I think I spoke to this about you, or spoke about this with you earlier, is that I don't want to use the word offended, but I was like, I saw it, and I was like, this has some repercussions that I don't think someone who was just designing the shirt thought, and I wrote it because I wanted people to think um, a little bit more critically and a little bit more deeply about what it means to put that kind of phrase on a t-shirt. Um... Maybe another time we could talk more about the point that you just raised about the gay community putting more emphasis on masculinity than the heterosexual community, because I disagree with that, just, you know, based on nothing at all, but the fact that masculinity is, or, or gender in male versus female is something that transcends this one instance of one tank top and one mm-hmm. one idea of a couple of, you know, I don't know, a couple of decades of men having to be masculine and muscular and fit and the gym bunny, which we used to call it when I was in high school, but, you know, like guys who like to be fit and that that's what's prized and put up on a pedestal. Um, so aside from that, which which I, I, I don't agree with you, that the, that the gay community prizes masculinity more than the heterosexual community. Um, 
my first reaction when Matt showed me this tank top was excitement because I, you know, it, I, I guess we boil down to misery loves company, um, and women have been dealing with this since, you know, I'm 40 and my entire life has been dominated by what you look like, and I, I'm sure it goes way, way beyond that. And when I was younger, um, I want to say like in the late 80s, early 90s, there was this whole beach beach clothing scene, um, like OP, and, and along with that there was this no fat chicks branding that took place, and there was a whole t-shirt brand that was just no fat chicks, and it would be like a silhouette of a fat woman with a red circle with a line through it. Um, and that didn't sprout up in the late 80s, early 90s. That was the, that was commodifying that mindset at that time. But that mindset has existed about women for way, way, way be before that. Um, so when Matt showed me this tank top, although I hear what you're saying about depression and anxiety and trying to conform to masculine um, preferences or whatever, part of me is like, good. I'm, I'm happy that men are having to endure this this horrible situation of being self-conscious about their bodies and only being valued for what they look like and do they have a six-pack. Uh, it's about time. I want, I want, part of me wants men to experience this because then maybe things will change because it's certainly not changing when women are experiencing it. So maybe if men are experiencing it now, you know, it will be the beginning of the end. Well, yeah, no, I think there's definitely something, I, I, you know, I think we're clear that we're in disagreement about the shirt, but I think that it's, what you're getting at is um, that men, men do also feel bodily pressure, and I think that I'm specifically talking about the, the gay community, and, um, you know, I, I was in a class in college that was about the history of women's magazines, and we talked about um, when men's magazines made that pivot to, you know, telling men that they were imperfect, because for so when long... This was in 2010 or 10, 11. No, oh, I mean, oh like, sorry. Not magazine. According to your class, like, when were they saying that that's, men started to go under the microscope that women had been under? So we actually had a conversation about it being around um, the early 90s, like when uh, Mark Wahlberg first okay. made that Calvin Klein ad, mm -hmm. and it was in the middle of like Times Square, and it was very much like, oh, like men can be subjected to having to look at six-pack ads mm -hmm. and having to feel like they have that to aspire to as well. Yeah. Um, so that's actually when we kind of started to pinpoint um, men's magazines like GQ turning and, and telling men that they too were imperfect and taking that same frame that women's magazines use and say, you're not good enough because of X, Y, Z. Now men's magazines kind of use that same frame. And I think it's interesting to bring up, I mean, I brought up magazines, but I, you know, there's also um, research that shows that uh, models in gay magazines like Out and Advocate are actually um, thinner and more muscular than models in straight male magazines, and that the images that gay men take in are usually simultaneously thinner and more muscular, which to a lot of people, muscularity equals masculinity. Um, so that's just like an added pressure that we get from our own media. Yeah, I think also like two, two sort of comments about what you guys are talking about. The first is with regard to masculinity and the emphasis on it from some guys in the gay community, maybe a bit of the difference with regard to your point about it not necessarily being more emphasized in the gay community. I think maybe the difference there is that in this 
among straight men, there aren't that many straight men who are sort of overtly effeminate. So there's less of a disconnect between maybe what straight men experience. Sure, there are like thin straight guys who aren't like Hulk Hogan or Schwarzenegger types, but they're not like lisping queens. So when you are, if you are one and you're seeing that the alleged ideal is this sort of like buff, straight acting masculine guy, there's just, there's like the gulf is particularly wide. Right. So, and I, I'm speaking partially from experience as well. That's, you know, I've, I have felt that way myself. So um, that's just one point, but I think it's both points are taken. And then the other thing too that's interesting is um, with regard to Actually, I just lost that way, so I'll, we'll come back to that. <laughs> I would love to just ask you, I mean, I, I, I really do understand your point, because you're kind of, love, and actually, let me try and, like, rephrase your point and see if I'm getting it, because I feel like your point is saying, like, okay, women have had to go through this for so long, good that now men are dealing with it. But, I, like, I guess my question is, like, why should anyone have to deal with it? Exactly. Yeah, I agree with you. But here we are. Right. And what's the way out of it? I mean, women have been commodified. I mean, women, the only value of women is as a sexual object. Um, and that's where we are now. Like, I mean, it's, I, I, feel, I don't want to get too theoretical, but I feel like every single thing that happens to women from... Um, being objectified on the street to being underpaid to being stoned to not being able to go out of your house without a male escort. It's all part of the same grand scheme, which is to devalue women um, so that they're not part of the public sphere because men right. dominate the public sphere. They make the money. They have the jobs. They have the power. What, however you measure power, whether that's in terms of owning property or having wives or having freedom... No matter what it is, it doesn't matter. It access to food, access to clean water, whatever. It's all the same thing, whether, right. no matter where you are. So to me, devaluing women is just part of the whole scheme to keep things the way they are. Um, and so I'm excited when men are subjected to the same thing. Okay, they're gay men, so it's a sort of different population. Um, but there's still the population in power, and, and it's the same thing with voting. Like, you know, with voting, women needed the right to vote. They, it wasn't going to happen until men got involved. Nobody gave a shit about suffrage okay. until men got involved. And so now men are involved unwittingly. I don't, you know, I, no man wants to be treated the way a woman is, and that's kind of what's going on. And they're going to speak up, and people are going to listen because they're men and they have power and a voice. Well, then actually... I, I, in a weird kind of like now full circle way, we're kind of like in agreement because my my thing is that you know when I see no facts, no femmes, that's femphobia, and femphobia is a an expression of misogyny and and fear of women and okay. hatred towards women in the gay community. Mm-hmm. And so you know, a lot another thing that I'm really interested in that I'm writing about right now that hasn't come out on my get is like I'm really interested in bottom shaming. So in, in, you know, in gay relationships, there's tops and there's bottoms and bottoms are insertive partners and what people might say are playing the quote unquote feminine role or whatever. And there's a lot of shaming around that. So that no fats, no femmes shirt is part and parcel of that, of, of that attitude that like the more, the closer you are to womanhood or the person who receives a penis, you know, like yeah. the closer you are to all those negative things that we don't want to be a part of. 
So I think actually we're, we're kind of like speaking the same language. I just think whether we want people to, I think you want people to see the shirt because you want gay men to deal with it. And I'm just saying I actually don't yeah. want us to deal with it. Right, yeah. Okay. But that's why I wanted the shirt, but it's sold out, so I guess that's why I'm Okay. And actually, kind of to the point you were just making, helped me to remember in my senility that the difference, maybe this is obvious, but the difference between, um, in my mind, between like, you know, having, let's say, ideal women in women's magazines and then ideal men in men's magazines is that men can still kind of do whatever they want. Like, it's the cliche of the, you know, the heavy older man with the gorgeous model life. Like yeah. you don't typically see the opposite. So or the whole the whole idea of bears. I mean, we don't get that. We women do not have the option to. Oh, I'm going to be fat, and I'm going to. People will accept me, and not only that, but they'll develop an entire arena for me to be comfortable and to be prized in under this new title of a bear or whatever the female equivalent would be. It's just I can't even imagine women being able to be appreciate or, or, or carve out that space for themselves or a new title. I mean, the, the whole cougar idea, I guess, is sort of that thing. Well, that, I think, you know, so I, I'm, I'm also currently writing a story about bears, and okay. I'm very interested in, in bear culture, and the thing about that is that I think that there, there you're absolutely correct. There's no spaces that are designated as, like, women... Um, women of size, queer women of size spaces, or there aren't enough spaces that are like that. Um, you know, I'm writing a story currently about bears who do yoga together. There's actually a bear yoga class in New York, and they do physical activity together. And, um, you know, there have been women who have asked to be part of the class, and they were invited to be part of the class, and they, like, identified as mama bears, kind of. Okay. But there's no, like, community for... I don't think that there's a, a set community for them, and if it is, it's probably underground right now maybe getting together, but I think you're absolutely right. There is a privilege to being able to do that, but also I think that bears needed that community to re- to respond to the immense, like, fat shame and sexual shame that comes with being a fat gay man. And I'm not saying there's not shame that comes with being a fat gay woman, but I'm saying... Like, not fat gay woman, woman, period. Woman, you can right. never be good enough right. as a woman. It's not about being you know, a person of color or a person who is overweight or whatever it is, you, anything you're doing, everything you're doing is wrong, Mm -hmm. no matter what. Mm -hmm. You can never be too young or too slender or too, you know, if you're intelligent, that's wrong. There's just no way to correctly be a woman and to be recognized just as a woman. So I cannot imagine women being able to pioneer some movement where men appreciated them on terms that they set, that mm. the women set. I, yeah. I, I can't, I, I wish it were true, but in my, in my mind and in my experience and my familiarity with the history of gender, I, I can't see how that would ever play out unless yeah. men gave it the green light. Right. You always... For money purposes. And... Well, that's interesting. I would love, like, for money purposes. Well, I mean, like, I, I feel like anything that women do that's out of the ordinary is like okay. So let's say I'm 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 in the roller derby community. So these are women stereotypically who are strong, have tattoos, you know, play a contact sport, whatever. 
the only reason that 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 fantasy of that woman, that that stereotypical roller derby woman, is is okay or appealing, is because that's already been sanctioned by vice or by or by some some concept where that's a sec that's appealing, that's sexy. Mm-hmm. I just I, I don't know like I can't see a place where women who are who are fat and hairy or, or whatever the counterpart of hairy would be for women would be something that all of a sudden has appeal. I I don't I can't imagine it. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. Um, I mean, yeah, so it's just basically saying like this usually in order for any subordinate group to kind of get approval, they need the dominant group to step in and approve it. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously a terrible way that it's a terrible reality. Yeah. It's a shitty reality. It's frustrating. But it's also like, you know, what what can you do? It's fun to just sit back and watch it because it's so ludicrous. But yeah, that's you summed it up. Well, maybe that's maybe kind of a segue. One one of the questions that I had written down was, you know, obviously there's a whole slew of apps for gay men, you know from Grindr to, to Jacked. Um, and actually, I didn't, I didn't really get into Jacked, um, Jacked response, but we can maybe talk about that later. Um, you know, et cetera, where guys have these profiles, and a lot of the time they've got these, you know, call it, I mean, maybe warnings is extreme, but these statements that say whether it's no fast, no femmes, no Asians, no this, no that, um, or they'll say white guys only, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so kind of two questions. The first is, do you think that's ever okay? Um, In the context of an online profile, is one allowed to express that sort of a preference, you know, even though it may seem racist or or whatever you want to call it? Um, And then I think maybe another question more for you, Narissa, is like, I know that, I don't even know if there is a lesbian hookup app. Um, I mean, I guess Tinder can theoretically be used, but I guess I'm just curious, is there any kind of parallel that you're aware of where women are, you know, sort of segmenting themselves in that way, you know, whether by race or or size or whatever it may be, and kind of, you know, fencing themselves off from other women up front um, the the way that we're seeing guys do on these apps. So, you know, kind of mixed in with, with patriarchy and misogyny, I think you have to talk about, like, white supremacy. And I think, like, for a, for a lot, I don't, you know, I sometimes get in trouble when I say white gay men, whatever, so don't at me on Twitter. Like, you know, but, like, <laughs> the people will, some, the thing I think that we have to talk about with certain white gay men, especially moneyed white gay men, gay, white gay men who are very close to privilege, is that, like, they were socialized as white men, like, you know, and so that they come along with so many of what it means to be a white man in America, like, to have privilege, to have entitlements, to think that the world is kind of made for you, you know, and I think that that extends into the attitudes that are on Grindr. So do I think it's okay to say no Asians, no blacks, no whatever on your profile? No. I think that it's okay to have preferences. I'll be the first one to say that I have preferences as well. Um, but I think that the way you express it in a public forum uh, is that to express it that way in a public forum is rude, uncouth, and racist. Like I think that, first of all, when you're saying no blacks or Asians, you're saying that all black men and all Asian men 
act and look a certain way and that that's not a way that I want in my bedroom. It's not a way that I care to touch. It's not a way that I care to be associated with. And I also think that um, the next level is like, um, I always, I think it's just shorthand for saying things that you're interested in. So obviously people have preconceived notions about what a black man is or preconceived notions about what an Asian man is. And the same thing, I'm Latino, like the same thing for Latinos. Like we, I think it actually differs I mean, I don't want to say that, actually, because that's... So from my experience in my own community, there are even stereotypes that are associated with certain Latino groups. Like, I'm Puerto Rican, and Puerto Ricans are, uh, like, stereotyped as more femme and more bottom, and Dominicans are stereotyped as more masculine and stuff like that. Um, So there's just always levels to it. And um, so I think that a lot of the racial speak on apps in general goes back to shorthand for, like, sexual uh, preferences that people just don't know how to talk about, and I wish people were just more open about them. Like, I wish instead of saying, like, no Asians, people were saying, like, if, 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 if this is what they mean, if they were saying, like, I don't want a partner who's submissive, that they were saying, like, I don't want a partner submissive. I want a partner who's dominant because I am submissive or something. So I just think that, like, the, that racism is, like, an easy shorthand for these other things that people want to say, and I wish that gay men felt the freedom to, like, talk about their sexual preferences more openly. And I think that that's actually the battle that we need to fight, is, like, that we have to recognize that these racist phrases, not only do they paint an entire continent as one thing, they um, are also just, like, they're they're stunting us from, like, talking about what we want sexually. Um, I haven't... I mean, I, I've spent plenty of time on Tinder... Uh, both trying to meet somebody and also just for fun, like as a game with friends at a bar or whatever. Um, and I don't, I, I, in the lesbian community, I don't come across ever that kind of restrictive language. I, obviously, we all have preferences, and a lot of them are really stupid and based on nothing, you know? <laughs> as preferences are. Yeah, like... <laughs> You know, you think you know what you want, and you really have no idea what's going on. But um, those sort of, that sort of restrictive language where you don't want to meet an Asian person, for example, um, to me, as, as the, the other person on that app, if you were to see that, to me, that just filters out assholes. Like, yeah. who cares? I don't give a shit what that person is saying. I, you know, I'm not interested in this person who is so undeveloped that they really think that, and that they think that they can discount an entire population of people. But I agree with you 100% that to me it is a it, it is a white entitlement thing. Like, oh, this is a menu. Here yes, human beings, yeah. here's a menu. Okay, I don't want you have to be over 54. You need to have whatever diameter biceps, you have to have whatever um, whatever ethnicity, whatever that means. Um, but to me those people, and I don't know if this is just me living in a fantasy world, but to me those people, like, they they um, they think they are going to get what they want by being so specific and rude and discriminatory on their Tinder or Grindr or whatever it is. But but in, in my worldview, uh, those people are just filtering themselves out because that's like a big douchebag meter of you know, who would want to deal with them anyway? They're, they think they're the best, they think they're amazing and awesome, and they're just speaking people from out of the world that they're willing to spend time with and grace with their precious time. Well, yeah, and that's the thing, is that, you know, people, 
I, I, whenever it's so funny that you said that because whenever I write about this, I use the menu um, analogy or menu metaphor yeah. as well, and I think that's such a useful frame to talk about it because the whole idea is that like the, that people of color don't have that same luxury to look at other people as a menu. You know, like for white men, they can be like, "Oh, I want this or I want that," and like when you are white in America and in the Western world and in the not Western world, like you are the pinnacle of what's considered attractive. Like, you know, white celebrities go abroad to, to do commercials because they're considered, they're like the most, you know, they're, they're what's considered the most profitable look in the world. Um, and so, you know, you have the luxury to say to other people like, oh, I'm going to choose whether I invite you over to my condo or whatever. And that's not a luxury. And I thought, I'm not exactly saying that's a luxury that people of color want. Right. Um, I think that it's just, you know, you have to realize that when you treat people like menu options, that you're not actually engaging us as sexual partners. You're engaging us as, like, a thing that gets you off, and that's it. Like, yeah. we're just a thing that comes into your room and does whatever, and that's it. It's, yeah. like, just buy a vibrator if you're going to talk to me like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would not tell it best as, like, be careful what you wish for. Like, if you want to be that person who who is in that position of power where you get to just select who, you know, what's, what's particular features the person is going to have that comes to pleasure you, you're going to have a very superficial experience, and you're, probably your whole life is going to be like that. But... Whatever, who am I to say? Is anything wrong with that? Yeah, um, no, I think that it's, it's, it's interesting too. Like, I actually feel bad. I do feel bad for people who say that. Like, as much as I spend so much time kind of railing against them, like, obviously they are like hurt or broken or wounded in some you're weird like, way that I don't know. Like, yeah, like, you're not allowing me in your bedroom. Like, one, I feel bad for you because I'm like dope in bed. So, like, and then two, it's just like, you're meeting, you're, like, missing out on so many people, and I think that's the thing that we, people bring it back to, um, is that, like, they're always like, oh, it's just sex, like, calm down, like, why are you getting so upset? Like, it's just, whether you can test sex, but I just think it stands for so many other things. Like, if I know that you don't, if I know that you have, that you don't want me in your bed, like, you know, what are, what are other things that you think about me? Like, it obviously hides, or not, not hides, maybe brings to light other assumptions that you might have about me, you know, like, if you think that all black men are aggressive tops, then, you know, do you also think that we're just, or that black men are just naturally aggressive as well? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you think we're aggressive tops in bed, do you think that black men are also aggressive? Do you think they're also, you know, criminal because they're more aggressive? You know what I mean? Like, I just think it belies larger attitudes about race, and that sexual racism belies really, really bad racism. (laughs) I, I'm not sure, I mean, I don't know. I mean, people, people have stereotypes for whatever reason, um, so I can't speak to that. I don't know for sure, but, um, an experience that I had was that I had it stuck in my head that I only liked fans, and so mm-hmm. when I was on Tinder, I'd be like, boop, boop, like just flying past anybody who didn't meet my femme on meter and wasn't femme enough for what I decided that I was attracted to. And for some strange reason, I, I ended up going out with this woman who was, I would call her androgynous, and she was really cute, and she had a really cute style, um, but she was not 
what I had already decided was within the parameters of what I was attracted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and for various strategic reasons, um, I decided <laughs> I wanted to get to know her better. Uh, and, and it was a really interesting experience to me because I found this person to be really, really cute, almost by accident, but I, but I really liked her, and I, and I remember having this thought to myself, like, wow, okay, so this is like a whole new area that I can explore that I had previously shut off for no reason at all, not like, like uh, violence or not race, or right. it was a white woman, but I hear what you're saying, but not that particular thing, but it was interesting to me because I kind of opened up to a new area of person that I had for no reason at all. Completely, you know, they, they had no place in my, in my interest spectrum because of movies that I had seen when I was in fifth grade and thing, you know, things that I had decided I was attracted to when I was little um, and things that I decided I wasn't attracted to like, you know, butch women, and, and, and on the, the butch to androgynous spectrum, I decided I was, you know, to throw that right out the window, but this woman, for whatever reason, was able to weasel in, and it, it really opened my eyes. I think that's, like, a good, a good story for this conversation. I think this conversation is about, like, what happens when you exclude people that you think you're not attracted to, you know? Thank you for bringing me <laughs> that's actually so that relates to a conversation I was having with my coworker Aaron the other day which touches on both of those things which is like the degree to which he's a sociology major so these things come up now and then the degree to which something like you know if, if for example you're a white male and you have a preference for other white men to what degree is that inherent or is that a product of like white privilege, the preference that's been placed on whiteness, etc. Um, because we were then starting to get into the area of like, well, then how do you account for? I like more femme guys, or I like more dominant guys. Like, to what degree is that sort of inherent or not? And why are there guys who are all over the spectrum in terms of who they're interested in, and then other guys who, to the the point of this, the shirt and the things that you see on Grinder, so like you know, focused on a single, very, very specific type. And, you know, obviously it doesn't have to be one thing or the other, but, you know, just, like, how that kind of privilege factor plays into it. And, and he, you know, his argument was that it's very much, a, a, very much a, um, a result of kind of that privilege and sort of the culture and, and whatnot versus any kind of inherent biological well, yeah, I think all desire is socially constructed. I think that you're born, in, if you're especially born in America, but once again, I think the whole world is affected by, you know, white privilege and, and whiteness. Um, but if you're born in America, like, you're taught what's attractive, and you can agree with it. And that's the thing, it's like, we're, we're humans, we have free will. You know, like, you can choose to agree with it or disagree with it or whatever, and that I think people don't think desire is a choice, but, like, at one point, you have to, I think you have to realize that desire is a choice because your desires can also change over time. Mm-hmm. Like, I am attra- I'm attracted to, I will say that when I first came out until I was about 21, I would probably say that I was mostly attracted to white men. And I had to change, uh, I had to start examining why I was only attracted to white men and then start to realize that I had had that idea because that was what I was being told was attractive and then I had to, like, 
realize that um, I I had to, to come to the realization that like I was actually attracted to men of color, and I just, it was like a lot of conversations with myself, and I'm still attracted to white men, and I'm attracted to basically men of every race, and it comes down to the person. But I, my question to people who say like they're only attracted to white men is like, what does that mean to you? Because like, do you mean that you're attracted to men with white skin? Do you mean that you're attracted to men who have like if you're looking at stereotypical? I am talking stereotypes, like, racial um, traits, like, men do not like black men because, or, or Latino men, like, I have a, a wide set nose, do you not like wider noses, is that something you associate with men of color, is it that, do you like, uh, like, what is it about white men that you find attractive, because I think anytime you go back to stereotypes about what people of color look like, like, you'll, and you actually break down, like, feature by feature, you'll see um, that it just goes back to, like, prizing certain white traits and, like, what people find attractive. It's why it's why Scarlett Johansson is playing an Asian person in a movie. It's why, you know, it's, like, all those things because whiteness is prized, you know, and no matter what community we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe one other question that made me think of, it's a little bit the inverse, I think, but <clears throat> I think often you'll see... Profiles or whatnot that say things like, um, with gay men at least, like, you know, um, guys that are, let's say, only interested in Asian, who say that they're only interested in Asian men, oh, he has an Asian fetish, or oh, he only wants them for for a sexual reason, um, as opposed to anything broader about that person. And of course, you know, if it is, you know, if it's a, if it's primarily a hookup app like Grindr, that may be true since it is so sex oriented, but call it a match.com profile or, you know. Christian Mingle or what have you. I guess. I guess like it does. That's where I love to meet pastors. No no comment on that. Um, I don't know. Like, do, do how do you feel about kind of the opposite, where you're saying that you have a preference for one specific type? Can I respond to this? So I had dated one Asian woman in my entire life, and I've been out of the closet for, and dating women for 20 years. I dated one Asian woman, and for some reason, my, all of my friends have decided that I have an Asian fetish. I've dated more Turkish women than Asian women, more Cuban women than Asian women, more whatever, you know, but, but that one Asian person, I don't know why they just stand out I feel like that with gay men too. There's the for you. One you accrue the label very easily. Like she approached me. Right. No, I mean I think you're right. I think gay men, you know, we're quick to label everything. Like I tell, yeah. I tell people like in the in the story I'm writing about bears. It's like you think bears are the end. No, there's like cubs. There's otters. There's there's wolves. There's and then there's like black bears, polar bears, grizzly bears. Like it's like. Everything has a fucking label. So, can I curse? Sorry. You may. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll ask her permission after. <laughs> but, um, I, like, we just love to, like, label everything. And, yes, there is a moment where it's fetishism, but I think that moment is when you're not engaging the person as a person, you're engaging them as a and you're saying, you know, I love your, your like, your 
the color of your skin. I don't know. It's like that kind of stuff. Like as a like as a Latino, like I've dealt with like you know, there's a, there's the, there's those um there's like people of color who, who talk about like having their skin described in a certain way. That's very like when you especially when you like talk about it in terms of food. Like, Latino people are always called, like, caramel skin, or, like, oh. black people are, like, chocolate and all that mm-hmm. stuff. It's, like, that is where it gets a little bit much. Like, don't tell me you love, like, caramel skin, or dulce de leche, or whatever. It's, like, that, so there's a moment where, you know, you're not really attracted to, like, me as a person. You're attracted to, like, just these racial aspects of me, and that gets really seedy and messy, but at the end of the day, like I said, we do have preferences. Like, we are living in a world where we have a choice to, you know, be attracted to who we're attracted to. And if you are attracted to those things, you know, though, I think keep it on the low. Like, don't say it. You know, but also be examining, like, what do I find attractive about this person? Um, I just think a lot of, at the end of the day, racism and sexual racism is like a byproduct of lack of awareness and lack of self-reflection and just lack of thinking about, like, what turns me on about this person um, is this a pattern that I'm in or whatever? Just like, I think it, it just um, is people not wanting to like ruminate on things and think about, think about it for themselves. I, <laughs> <laughs> I always date non-Americans. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where that would fall into that spectrum. Um, but I tend to, I never date white. I mean, I date white people, but I never date Americans, so... But I mean, so let's think about that. Like, like that's fine. Like, that's great. You don't want to date Americans. So, like, let's talk about... Like, I'm trying to think of, like, things that I like. <laughs> but, um, so, like, I like tall guys. Like... How tall are you? I'm six foot. Okay. And, I mean... So they have to be really tall. But, really tall. <laughs> but I'll also say this. I mean, because I'm six foot, I've slept with a lot of guys who are shorter than me, and it's been mm-hmm. great. Like, I'll sleep with anyone regardless of their height. But like tall guys have an easier, an easier in because I really <laughs> like tall guys. Um, but like, so I think about that all the time, and I don't have the answer. Yeah. But I do sit and I'm like, why women is that? Always straight women always love tall guys. Yeah. For like, some reason, there's something about it that they're just so attracted to. It. My best friend is five eleven, and she just wants a guy who's taller than her, yeah. which you know really narrows the field. But, well, yeah, like, and, and I always, like, joke, but I'm like, there's definitely some guys who I were totally attracted to, but they were, like, 6'4", and they just got, like, an easy pass. Like, it's just, like, you know, they got to the front of the line. So but I guess, I guess maybe what makes that a little bit different and, like, less theoretically offensive is that anyone, well, pretty much anyone can be tall. Certain ethnicities or races may be more likely to be tall than others, um, but it's less of a... There's less of a specificity there, so it's, it's more of just a physics. But I also about power. Yeah, but I also yeah. wouldn't put on my profile like I wouldn't put something like short guys don't message me. Which you people? Know? Which people do? Which people do? Yeah, and I wouldn't do that because like some of I mean like my last boyfriend was shorter than I was. My last boyfriend was like five seven, and he was very hot, and we had great times doing lots of stuff. But like, so I, I would never put short guys don't message me. Um, but, you know, so I think that's the difference. It's like the difference between saying I'm attracted to something and speaking about something positively and being like, these are the things that turn me on, these things that get me going, versus like, there's really no need to speak to me if this is the color of your skin. 
Well, I think we're we're closing in on the end here. I haven't been outraged by anything Narissa has said yet, though, so I'm a little disappointed. Me too. But um, I don't know. Something outrageous just right did, at the end. Do any of you guys have clo- any closing thoughts? And you don't have to. <laughs> no, thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah, thank you guys. It's been a really great conversation. Um, so I will post links to the various things that we've talked about. Um, you may have already seen much of it, but um, that will be on the SoundCloud page um, or possibly the iTunes description as we work to figure out how that works. And um, thanks for listening. Please subscribe. <laughs>